I'm Dean Newland, and welcome to the Business of Intuition, where I coach, facilitate, train, and speak on the hard science and meaningful experience of intuitive leadership in business, so you can make better decisions, forge real connections, and creatively solve problems to amplify your impact and simplify your life. Welcome to the Business of Intuition. Most of us don't create our desired results because we have the wrong process. Consider this. Most of us focus on the problem, not on how it will feel when we achieve what we want. We get afraid to want an expanded, joyful experience because we don't believe it will happen. We get hooked by our addiction to drama brought on by subconscious habits that have been running most of our decisions since we were in childhood. That we are separated victims caused by outside circumstances, people, and society, instead of knowing we are connected to what one might call the all that is, a higher power, or even God. As a card-carrying member of the Union of Doers, I have come to understand that manifesting anything, a new job, a relationship, a large client, health, or a new member of your team, can happen easily if we focus on the feeling of having that result instead of spending a lot of time on the issues that you don't want. If we know, for example, that a car is something that we don't get just for transportation, but for the feelings that we get like safety, exhilaration, adventure, power, sex appeal, then we should also identify the feelings we want of any other things that we desire. My next guest on the business of intuition is Trisha Becker. After years of embracing the world of personal development, working with and studying mentors such as Dr. Wayne Dyer, Louise L. Hay, Dr. Joe Dispenza, William Whitecloud, and Christopher Duncan, she connected to the truth of her purpose. The entirety of her work is called The Journey into Alchemy. It has been created as a personal trainer training for men and women who are seeking a path to live a more meaningful and fulfilling life rooted in their own purpose. Connecting to the truth that the joy is indeed in the journey is the foundational tool that she practices and guides others to experience that as well. And I will say on a personal note that every coach needs a coach. It is one of those tenets that we've been told since the day we first started our training and our adventure into this practice. I've had a coach for many years long ago, and I just had my first coaching session with Trisha Becker just recently, and I thought she was just wonderful. And I look for many more of those opportunities in the future. Trisha Becker on the business of intuition. Well, all right, so let's get this ball rolling. I am very delighted to have you on this show. I've heard about you for so long and then just recently was so blessed to be able to work with you a week ago. And I do believe that coaches need coaches and anybody who is in this, in this space around expansion should always have somebody to reflect onto and with. And, and we had such a wonderful session last week and I very much appreciate it. For those who don't know you, could you give us kind of the, the structure 
of how you work. I think that there's so many coaches out there, which is a wonderful thing. And yet, I don't know if they all have a particular process by which they go through. What's your process? What is your take on development and how it works and how we get out of our own way and live our purpose? What's that? What is the process like? Well, uh, first, thanks for having me on uh, your podcast. Uh, it's an honor to talk with you more. And the joy of repeating what I know to be true is rooted actually in the way I teach and what I've learned, what I've experienced, and the truth that comes from the proof. <laughs> oddly, that kind of rhymes. It does. Is, I see is a t-shirt in your life. the truth is in the proof it is because that's the only way i can approach anything i teach or guide anyone it's very hard for me to actually say i'm a coach even though that is the realm of what i do i'm guiding someone towards what they desire you know to get better at tennis you need a great tennis coach my process is more of teaching because i teach from the perspective of I've been through this and I've seen it work for myself, others, uh, and of course, learning from my teachers. But the way that I approach work with my clients and groups is being able to see what has worked for me and guide them. Everybody's situation is different. So using the tools and techniques that I've learned in 17 years of personal development, really understanding how to get someone from where they are to where they want to be and being able to say, I know this process works. I don't just teach from reading books. I teach from my own experience and my own experience is incredibly vast and deep because this was never really my intention. I was a professional jeweler for 20 some odd years. I was an artist. I was a creator playing with fire and metal and gemstones. And I, I did everything I wanted to do in that realm. And I loved it. Yet, once I started learning more about myself and my own life, I really connected into, I just want to be happy. I just want more joy and happiness in my life. And then some cataclysmic things happened. Uh, People died, got cancer, relationships ended. I said, wait a minute, I really want to be happy now (laughs) like because my life could just end. Am I doing everything I want to do? And I came across the process uh, that I really am teaching now regarding a recode and connecting to all levels of consciousness. And it brought me profound happiness. And I said, I know this is what I want to share with the world the rest of my life. So I've incorporated everything I've learned from teachers like Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay and Abraham Hicks and the many, many masters and gurus I've met and intuitive teachers and from my phenomenal clients as well, because like, you know, we learn from each other and being able to bring that in and grow and expand consistently that's the way I approach working with people. And whether it's teaching, guiding, coaching, meditating, processes, business development, it's just such a beautiful expansion to be able to know uh, yeah, where the proof comes from. <laughs> and it, and it's the truth. You mentioned the word recode. Yes. What is that? Describe that process. What does it mean? Yeah, there's a process that I learned uh, from my mentor, Chris Duncan, and it's called the Superconscious Recode. What we're doing is connecting into the information that is the considered source, God, the field of information. It's also kind of explained by a few different teachers in a few different ways. Semantics aren't exactly important, but it's rooted in connecting into this field of information 
and with the permission of the client, changing the information. And that's rooted in neuro-linguistic programming, where you're guiding and teaching this level of consciousness, whereas it's the everything, it's the all, to dissociate from uh, emotions that may uh, create problems, hold us back, stop us from taking action based in fear from something that may have happened 30, 40, 50 years ago. But it's still holding such a powerful point. And in this very short process, you can actually shift emotional attachment to past events very, very quickly. Uh, I've heard some people call it, it's waking hypnosis. But it's really not mm. because I'm creating a structure that enables me to get information from the client of what they truly desire. So it's rooted in, it's based on a, what the client wants. And then in the process, uh, there's no trance, meditation, it's just quiet. I have practiced a connection into that field of information, which was very, very specific and a meditation. So I could guide my intuition in that space. And through years of practice, thousands of recodes, I can now connect into anyone's field of information, find what would need to change to get them their desire. And I can make that change with someone else's permission. I don't ever do it without permission. That's the whole point. You're not tapping into someone's field and making changes without their request. Uh, it's very deep. And, and the first, the reason why I was so drawn to it was because I actually felt it in my physical body the first time I experienced it. And it was remote over the computer. I'm in North Carolina in the US and the person giving it was in Australia. Mm. And I said, if I just felt that in my physical body, I need to learn how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> So that set me on the journey that I'm on. Many years ago, when I started coaching, gosh, 30 years ago, I guess it was, I remember going through some pretty uh, robust coaching training programs and things around desire and intentionality and purpose, all of which are kind of uh, synonymous with one another, all became mm -hmm. really important. And I remember me and others at that time were like afraid in some ways of the desire out of the out of the story that we won't really be able to get it. Like it's <laughs> like, I don't want to put myself out there and say and declare, this is what my life is about. or this is what I really want because I have so much story around in the past doing that and not getting it the way I thought I would get it. And so I've since moved on from that, but I remember that feeling back then. And I've heard that sometimes come up or uh, in conversations with other people that People are apathetic sometimes. They're afraid to want. They're afraid to, to stick themselves out there and say, I really want this because now when I really want this, it means that I also have the chance of losing it. You know, there's this sense of, <laughs> you know, whatever, like if I really yes. love this person, then I've opened up my heart and I also open up my heart for disappointment, you know, and all the other, so great feeling has opens up all shades of feeling, not just that one. So I guess, how do you help somebody through that process of clarifying what they truly desire without having them clamp down or choke off the, uh, the belief that they can do it? Yeah, that style of coaching with the scenario you're presenting would take several sessions. It's not just one and done for sure. The gradual steps guiding someone towards that connection, hooking into what they truly desire without letting the fear take them down. That's kind of what you were explaining. 
it yep. takes some time because you not only need to reassure and teach the logical mind, or I call it the self-conscious, it's our awareness now and based in judgment. You also need to train the unconscious mind. This is the, the period where we mostly create our patterns. And again, it's semantics, definitions. My definition of the unconscious is like about birth to seven or eight, where we create a lot of patterns. It's where we learn a lot. And that's the part that holds all of the information most often rooted in fear that stops us from taking action, from uh, that sabotage, where we do achieve something and then we go, oh, I'm going to sabotage myself. And then we see that happen over and over again as well. How can I, why do I succeed and then lose it again? We have mm. to retrain and teach and guide those parts of ourselves that are resisting these changes. And that takes time. It's, it's logical training verbally, of course, just in discussion where we're talking to the awareness because our mind loves problem solving. That's such a huge part of being human. We, we desire it. We, we get a reward from it. We're taught problem solving how and in, in evolution uh, from being a child. We learn what the problem is, we solve it, and we don't do it again. And when you really learn uh, these basics of what I teach, we become creators of our life. We're not being ruled by the past anymore because often the past is kind of traumatic. Everyone has trauma. And it's unfortunate that uh, it does guide our lives so powerfully that we may not even be willing to hear that there's another way. I've worked with a lot of people that are like, well, no, I need to problem solve. And I said, well, if there's a fire, yeah, you need to problem solve. But most often people are living from a problem solving orientation all their lives, each breath, every day, each thought, each action. And what happens when you live in this orientation where you're consistently problem solving, you solve a problem. And then what happens? Another problem shows up. So you need to solve another one. So in that orientation, if you live your life that way, you view the world that way, you will always have a problem to solve. It's exhausting. <laughs> and when yeah, you <laughs> Yeah, I get it. I mean, because I'm I I am a card carrying problem solver, you know? I I I just stand that. I'm part of I have union dues I have to pay every month. <laughs> is it is it semantic that we're talking about here? Or is it an energy that goes behind that? Because I sometimes will see, because you and I talked about this, right? I, mm -hmm. I am I'm a creative in my thinking. I'm expansive in, in my desires. And so what I see as maybe, I see opportunities for sure. all the time. I can't stop. I really am always seeing things. Yeah. Is that a problem that I'm trying to solve? Or is Definitely it not. Literally, literally just, this could be cool. Oh. This this didn't work out as well, but how do we make it better? Where is it? What's the difference between that and problem solving? That's a beautiful way to actually allow me to describe the differentiation because it is words, semantics, the story we tell, but it comes from the energy we feel when we connect into things. When we look at a problem, I believe there's two orientations. One is problem solving. And what is a creative orientation where you're living rooted in emotion and energy based on what you love and knowing you that you are fired up by things that stimulate you, that are creative, that are fun and playful and energizing. And that's definitely not a problem. That's fun. That's, mm. that's living with joy. Mm. What happens when you're rooted in that you, people, anyone with the problem solving orientation is you look at those things that say, how can I use that to get me to the next step? 
how can I use this piece to get to the next piece and this piece to get to the next piece? That becomes a cycle where you always need something outside of yourself to get to the next thing. Now, people like us that are creators, because it's rooted and connected into what we love and what's fun and what's playful and energizing, we're not looking at a problem. We're looking at something that we love and creating and, and expanding and, and doing something from that place. But what happens is people who are in that orientation that say, I don't like this job, so I need another job. I'm not making enough money, so I need more money. I don't like this thing. That's usually the orientation. Not There's <laughs> very few people that I know that could look at life with the zest and zeal that you have or that I have, or, you know, a lot of my clients come with this wavering experience of, you know, I hate this, but I love this. What we end up doing is we stop focusing on what you don't like because that's just rooted in you always need a judgment of good and bad and right and wrong. And then you're create, you're, you're moving forward in life based on those judgments. That is so we're, we're interplaying the, you know, semantics around things and the judgment and the energy because the energy creates first. I truly believe that everything is energy first. And, but when you're coming from the orientation of what you love, the things that, that light you up. And that's how I can always tell when I'm working with clients. But when they get the little zing and the happiness in their body as we're talking, something in them lights up. And that's a different place to begin from. So then we mm -hmm. go, okay, I see that lights you up. And okay. that's my words. I say, I see that lights you up because their energy shifts, their presence, their even just talking about it, my body's changing because they're connected to an energy of something that really lights them up literally it, it, they love it and when we focus upon that and and make things happen and take action and line things up for the future we have very very different results because right. what you so, know more sure go ahead. so let me ask you though so i'm i'm trying i'm pulling from abraham hicks now those of mm -hmm. you who know who were talking about big on um uh, understanding how you manifest uh things and Abraham talks a lot about the uh, use of and the value of contrast, you know, describes contrast as, oh, this is something that yeah, it doesn't really fit my purpose. I'm not aligned to it. And so I use it as a springboard into something that does allow me to understand what I do want. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, can we use contrast, meaning this is a thing I don't want, relationship, business health you put it into play and in instead of focusing on that you use it for what it is which is a way to refocus you on what you do want i remember specifically mm -hmm. had a marriage once before people who know me know the story over and over again that i went and had uh, a, a session with myself and said okay that didn't work out <laughs> contrast this is a, yeah. a relationship that didn't fit my values well then therefore what does Yes. What is the list of things that I want in a partner? And rattle them off. And lo and behold, before I knew it, I was actually in, involved with somebody who represented that. So could you describe the, the value, if there is some, around contrast, meaning those things that one might call a problem, one might call something like, I don't want, that's a negative experience, that didn't feel good, to how can that help me move towards what I want? Mm -hmm. The contrast is absolutely necessary. And no one ever that walks this planet as a human will be void of that. So we don't, 
in this work that I guide people in, you don't avoid it. Uh, we just don't obsess about it. I have been to many of uh, Abraham Hicks seminars and raised my hand many a time to sit in the hot seat and talk with Esther and Abraham yeah. because I wanted that exact understanding of why, if I have two ends of the stick, am I maintaining both ends of the stick? I'm, I thought, so I thought, I thought I was focusing on the end of the stick that I wanted. That's their metaphor is we have two ends of the stick, what you don't want and what you do want. When you maintain that level of uh, attention, I say you're putting your energy, your focus towards it. You're focusing on both ends of the stick simultaneously. We don't know right. that we are, though, because right. to get away from something, we have to be getting away from something we don't want. So we're right. actually unintentionally holding the energy almost in equal to what we don't want and what we do want. And then what happens is power is in both of them. And what we do want is absolutely informed by what we don't want. But with that level of focus and energy, you almost ping pong between the two. I call it, it based in structure, understanding two points or more have a relationship with each other in the universe. Those two points are in an oscillating structure because they both must exist. So if what you don't want and what you do want must always exist, you will always have both. And, and once I learned this new way of orientating towards what I love, I almost just chose a whole different, we'll call it a stick, and said, I'm just going to focus on what I love. Because I know that other stick exists, but it never got me what I wanted. Because I just went ping, 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 back and forth, back and forth, what I want, what I don't want. Success, failure, love, hate. And it just went back and forth all the time. And I studied the law of attraction obsessively for 15 years until I learned what I'm teaching now, which is rooted in this creative orientation and structure where you're looking at what you love and that is a different feeling when i look at what i love problems don't show up they don't i'm not coming from a place of resolving what i don't want now not saying that as your example is not very beneficial in information it is it's incredibly beneficial it's a springboard but most people just stay there so they maintain an energetic connection to what they don't want and that springboard takes you into such a state of joy and bliss that when I think about the list of things that I love, I don't want to think about anything else. I'm not moving away from anything. I am just in the state of who I believe I truly am, which is love. And it's just that for me, it's a, a better place to be. And living from that place and going, oh, I just want more of what I love. I don't need to know. We've spent our life in contrast. I really yeah. don't need much more. That's almost 50 yeah. years of age. I got enough contrast. Or, you know, everyone's at a different stage with this evolution and connection. I truly believe the law of attraction, as Esther Hicks teaches, with this uh, ability to see both sides and contrast is necessary. It's the doorway. It's the gateway. It's the threshold into understanding how to create your own reality. Because through all of the teachers, throughout everyone that I've ever studied in multitudes of religions, Everyone's always saying the same thing. The end yeah. goal is to become one with the all that is. And you need a threshold. You need something to cross you over and go, oh my gosh, is this truly possible? And that's where I started. But the unfortunate thing was I stayed there. I just stayed in the, what I don't want and what I do want. So I always had to have what I don't want as an existence in my life. And it, 
gosh, got difficult. <laughs> I just, I said, why does this stuff I don't want keep showing up? Because I had a structure where I focused on both. And I totally get that. And that's where the recode, meaning that you're sort of letting go of these old patterns comes into play. Exactly. And just to sort of shout out, and I, this is a rhetorical question, maybe it's more of a statement that we've got triggers that may have been a part of our habit of thinking. And maybe even as Joe Dispenza would say, we have an addiction through some of the, you know, the neurological chemicals get fired up over and over and over again, much like coffee. I got to have my coffee at eight o'clock. I got to have my drama. I blow on drama. Let me get some drama. Somebody <laughs> please give me some drama here. I need some drama. And then we get re-stimulated like, oh, I hate this, but at least it feels familiar. And I get my, I get my fix, right? I get my, my drama addiction fixed. And so breaking those patterns is what you're talking about with Recode, being able to let those things go to focus more on what you want versus on what you don't want. 100%. Exactly. Got it. So you said something else I wanted to um, tie into, you know, this, this idea that, all right, so then how do I could set this up? If you, if each individual person is sort of focusing on what they do want, and that kind of gets into a higher and higher level of awareness, it's not just what I want tomorrow. It's like, what do I want in my life? I know that when I, my mother passed away about oh, two months ago and it helped me start really rethinking about where am I going? What am I doing? Am I aligned with what I think that my life is all about? So life purpose is really important. My very first workshop I ever taught was around discover your life's purpose, right? So it's been a part of my life for, forever, which obviously I'm, I'm here to learn it, not just to teach it. But the idea is I'm, I'm trying to get to is that each individual person, say in a company has a desire and you, and you roll that all up to the overall organization or you have each individual person has their own purpose. Does it get all rolled up to the, the purpose of humanity? Is there, a, is there really only one purpose for all of us? If we get to that higher space, you almost said it is to connect to the all that is. Is that why we're here? Is, are we little sentient beings with this flesh and blood and thinning hairlines here to, to really connect to the all that is? Is that why we were born? There's so much proof that does point towards that. And I'll just name the one umbrella thing called religion that people fight to the death to prove that this is the path to salvation. And that salvation can be whatever story you want it to be, but it's almost always placing the power outside of yourself to something that's going to get you to the attainment of whether it's enlightenment you're going to have uh, life after death. You're going to be in the kingdom of heaven. You will be in the presence of Allah. You become one with the light. Whatever the desire may be, there is something that thousands of years old that is outside of ourself that is actually greater than ourself. That takes the power out of yourself. You're, you're giving your power away. And when we internalize that, and that connection and the obsession that some religions have will say, no, 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 that, that thing over there, whatever descriptor it is, is going to save me, alleviates them from this pressure of acknowledging that we actually are already it. Right. We already are. Jesus, right. and Jesus was my first teacher. I believe he was a prophet. He's not my savior. He's not going to save me because he said the kingdom of heaven is within you. And he said it to everyone. And I really believe he was teaching Buddhism. 
Mm-hmm. And and he, he was a, a, a Jewish teacher. So he incorporated many different religious aspects in his teachings. The thing that I took from his teachings the most was that the kingdom of heaven is within you and it's in with all of us. And the disconnect happens when we're not able to reach that. So we look outside of ourselves. Right. right. Those are the people who are enlightened, or we'll use that term loosely, who have reached a place of nirvana where they're calm and happy and they seem content and have this perspective on life that all is well, they have reached the point that there is not a big separation between that experience of being godlike and their existence in a physical body on this earth. But I mean, anybody could come up with proof, even about the Dalai Lama, some crazy things happening and saying, oh, well, that was actually inappropriate. That happens because we're human. And we create the separation. But to go back to the original conversation where you started, that separation is actually necessary to create the expansion and the joy, I believe, of which why we came, hence the contract. And then when you're able to take all that information as that contrast being so highly valuable to guide us to the truth that we are this enlightened being and we go, oh, that actually feels way better. And then back to the connection of is it words and semantics or is it feeling the energy of that joy when I connect into the truth that I am the kingdom of heaven? Wow, that's actually way more fun. And the energy behind it is where I choose to be. So this is where we're getting way out into the Pluto sphere of philosophy and religion and spirituality. But, and Joanne and I've had discussions about this, like why the separation from the kingdom of heaven in the first place? Yeah. Why do the collective soul experience of human beings have to be able to experience contrast order to get back to where they started? Mm, Two books. uh, And we don't have to go too much deeper into that. Uh, but the the hero's journey, uh, yes. Joseph Campbell. Wonderful stuff. Cyclical. Yeah. It's a cycle and there's a reason and it's for growth and expansion. Also, just a great story is the alchemist. Yeah. He goes on a journey far, far away and goes on many, 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 many experiences. Where does he end up? Back to himself. It's the same thing. And we all need that. And that journey is intentional for the growth and expansion that we're actually looking for when we go, I want more money. I want the bigger business. I want more freedom and time. I want more vacation. It's that journey away from ourselves and back to ourselves over and over and over again. And then it becomes fun. I get it. And I get it from (laughs) a a sentient being perspective. I get that, you know, and you know me well enough now that I'm all about that. I totally Mm -hmm. buy into that. And then there's also from a very philosophical, philosophical perspective is like, now why, why are we needing growth and expansion? You know, like what was the reason for the, why are we as the, as these souls in human form need to experience growth and expansion? I mean, is there, what's the, is there, you know, like going beyond the human experience, what is the purpose behind that, that hero's journey? Well, if other I than just simply to do it, like, okay, go yeah. get bigger, you know? Yeah. Why are we all just, why, 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 are, why are souls not just part of the all it is <laughs> and, and we're experiencing all that bliss and joy? Why do we need to separate from that in order to come back to where we started? I really can only speak from my own perspective, but that's I'm also fine. That's what I want. Yeah. From other clients and where we reach that level of joy is 
I am now, after my multitudes and multitudes of journeys, I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. And I could not say that three, four, five years ago because I was going through a divorce. I was breaking addictions to alcohol. So many horrific things have happened to me in my life Hmm. that I, for a long time, said, no way. There is no joy in this sucky journey. (laughs) That just doesn't exist. Yet I stayed. And I stayed in the journey. And I stayed in the journey. I kept trying to attain this thing called happiness. That's why I searched and searched and searched with gurus and teachers and seminars and classes. And I studied. I was a student of this stuff because I just wanted to be happy. It wasn't my intention to do. uh, My intention was to be an artist and a jeweler. That's what I put my life into. And as I got happier and happier and happier and happier and happier doing this and learning it for myself, I said, my expansion, my personal expansion is in the happiness that I feel now and that each and every day living this way, I am more happy every day. And I did not, I'm, I'm having emotions of joy and happiness that I didn't even know existed because I was so framed in a different way. It was just, I was living in a different framework. And this framework I have now, <laughs> just thinking about it makes me giddy because it's, it's not only easier, it allows me to a connection to the joy that I always saw outside myself. And it doesn't come from, yeah, the money's great and all in the business and creating clients and new networks. It's wonderful. The greatest joy I have is in my feelings of bliss and contentment and presence and the joyful expectation of more. There's no mm-hmm. limitation now. I, I was really feeling a lot of limitation most of my life. But coming from this perspective now, it's, gosh, it's absolutely amazing. And I, I couldn't say the joy was in the journey before. I mm-hmm. just really, I thought that was a bullshit statement. I just, I was like, no, this one does. And now it's my journey because I know it's cyclical. I've seen it time and time again. I'm going to come back to that beginning point. The alchemist returned home. The spiritual journey starts with being reborn again and again. It's the same thing. So even if I have a meltdown or I cry or I get upset or I get mad, I say, well, I know where I can go back to. And it's a cycle outside myself and I return to myself over and over and over again. And for me, the expansion of my joy and my happiness, that's all I ever sought. For a long time, I sought it outside myself, which was in the money and the accolades and the awards and in the, the how, how much more expensive jewelry can I make and can someone buy this for $75,000? Even when I hit that, I didn't, I didn't get a taste of the happiness I have now when I sit in meditation for 15 minutes. Hmm. The joy and the happiness I experienced in that quiet, and connection to the truth of who I believe I am, that I feel, is there. you cannot put a monetary value on it. It's just phenomenal. So people are listening in. I'm sure they're just getting all buzzed about your energy and your vitality. Can you maybe provide an exercise or a question or something for somebody to do as a result of this conversation? Like what, what advice, what Activity, what question could somebody do to get them uh, experiencing a little bit what you talked about today? Mm-hmm. A couple of things come to mind. This is one that I give in some of the free trainings that I offer is we just say, all right, tell me about your problem. Give, and I would just say, all right, give me a problem. Oh, I don't have enough money. Okay. So then we just focus on the problem. This is maybe a two, three minute practice. Anybody can do it anytime. Then we say, all right, how are we going to solve that problem? 
Think about your problem and how you're going to solve it. What happens is the problem actually gets bigger. They get more mm. aggravated. Even just saying it, my stomach turns. It's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Wipe that out. Wipe that out. We wipe that out. And they say, all right, tell me about something you love. Hugging me. For me, it's always hugging my 10-year-old son. I just think about hugging him and, oh, my gosh, the world is perfect. And then I say, all right, now, whatever these things that you love, you love your family, you love food, pina coladas, sitting on the beach, whatever. Now, tell me more. Now, give me more about getting more of that. How do you get more of what you love? And the feeling, just those two feelings called set A and set B, those two representations of the connection of our feeling is often proof enough to say, hey, what are you doing most of the time in your life? <laughs> Which one do you want more of? And that's the, almost the easiest foray into the proof. Because like we mm -hmm. said, we need the proof. The proof is the truth for everyone. And when you can experience that internally, oh, I actually like the way I feel when I think about what I love better. So then I guide people into how to do that and, and so, through these practices. And then if, again, if, if, the, if we started off with your analogy of, for example, I would like more money. And yet you can focus on something that they love, the pina coladas and the 10-year-old that you get to hug all the time. Do you connect it back to that original desire for wealth or? No, because anybody who ever says they want the money, I say, all right, when you have the overflowing bank account where you never have to look at the number ever again, you know it's flowing in. What are you going to have? You're going to have freedom. You're going to have a lot more fun. You're going to have time to travel. You're not going to have to worry about bill not the money anybody wants it's right. the it's feelings just... that come mm. from abundance mm. and and so set a and set b that short story is problem solving or focusing on what you love and it's very difficult to only focus on what you love i don't do that 24 hours a day i have to problem solve at parts of my life of course but i know when i get off my path of joy I'm focused on solving a problem that makes me feel yucky. <laughs> and I don't want to feel yeah. that way anymore. Yeah. So I go, wait a minute. I know what to do here. I'm going to focus on what I love. And it recenters me. And then I'm able to take the action that is more true to my desire. And it does, it, it, it takes a little while to shift this perspective. It took me months just to start getting a taste of it, to really experience. And then once the fruit started showing up, I was like, oh my God, this works. Oh, I love my life. This is amazing. And, and things would just show up to me that I was desiring. Yeah. like job offers and the money, but I wasn't focusing on a specific thing. I was fo focusing on the feelings I wanted to create. Uh, it's, I could guide anyone when they say they want something tangible and a thing, what they're actually desiring is the feeling they're feelings going to that have. You get from it, yes. Yeah, and you know that. Yeah, no, but I think it's a great thing to point out. Just a vehicle for a feeling. Absolutely. Well, that's said. all we, whatever it is, whether it's a yeah. car, a house, a dog, it's all about the feeling we want as a result of that faith. Yeah. 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 So you're, you're saying let's focus on those feelings and the stuff will start showing up. Yeah. Love it. So Trisha, how can we have, how can people connect to you, follow you, learn more about you? Tell us about that. Thank you again for uh, creating this platform to have these kind of fun discussions. Uh, my website is my name. That's the easiest way to find out a little bit more about me, TriciaBecker.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. It's all Trisha Becker. You're going to find me with my name. And uh, the business that I'm creating, the framework around all my te teachings is called Journey into Alchemy. 
uh, because I'm an alchemist. I create change and transformation. So the, the signature course I created is the art of alchemy. Also because I'm an artist and we're creating our reality. So the other courses that follow are going to be rooted in meditation and structure, but under the umbrella uh, descriptor of journey into alchemy, because life is a journey and there's just so much joy in it. And when we're able to create that change and transformation based on what we love, uh, we create magic in our lives. And joy is a journey. <laughs> exactly. Wonderful talking to you. It's been great. Thank you, Dean. I so appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Business of Intuition. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about Dean or Mission Facilitators Leadership, go to mfileadership.com. That's mfileadership.com.